anybody who believes? Is there anybody who feels that there's a shift, there's a transition? You are not going to be given permission to leave the same way you came if you believe. Come on, let me just reverence his presence for a moment longer. We have so many people who've gathered. Let's bring the music down a little bit. I want to share from my heart. You know, as we're simulcasting across America right now, I'm here on Long Island where we launched this church. I know that it looks like I'm bold. I know it sounds like I'm confident. The truth is I have a bend towards doubt. The truth is I lean towards rational thinking. I lean towards just thinking that this couldn't possibly be real. And I think it's real easy to watch me preach and teach and come to the church every week and assume, well, he's our lead pastor because he has more faith than all of us. The truth is I lean towards skepticism. I lean in the direction of unbelief. When I was preparing for Good Friday, I was walking through my neighborhood on a prayer walk and the Holy Spirit spoke to me in that still small voice. Do you all know that voice when he speaks to you? And he said, Mike, you don't know me. I said, what do you mean, God? I've been journeying with you for over 25 years. I've preached in your name. I've cast out demons in your name. And the Lord said, Mike, you don't know me. And I said, Holy Spirit, I do know you. I've read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruther. And I said, I've been all, God, I do know you. And he said, Mike, you don't know me. And I said, God, what are you trying to say? Because of course I know many things about you. I can't know everything about you, but I know a lot about you. And I've been intimate with you. And I've been transparent with you. And I've shared my fears and my reservations. And God, I do know you. And then I heard the sovereign voice of God say this. Mike, you don't know how good I really am. (laughs) He said it just like that. He said, Mike, when I say you don't know me, you don't know how good I really am. And I said, Lord, I begin to be humbled in that moment. I said, Lord, help me understand. And he said, Mike, I know your mind because I made it. (laughs) He said, put everything on the line and show my people this Friday how good I really am. And I said, Lord, I don't want to give them false hope. What if they don't get healed? And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, you want to know what the real tragedy is, pastor? them never receiving my power because you refuse to pray. Then I begin to look at the book of James and the New Testament early church 2,000 years ago before these stupid LED walls and, and the lights and before the subwoofers and the sound systems and before the bureaucracy and the boards and any church hurt when they were just getting this thing started, it says when anyone among you is sick, It didn't say take them to the most well-trained Roman physicians. 
It said, bring them to the elders of the church and have them anoint them with oil and lay hands on them that they might be healed. The Holy Spirit, he said, Mike, have you not made pastoral eldership at every campus? I said, yes, Lord, I've been faithful to raise them up. He goes, now give them the anointing oil and release the miraculous across every location. And y'all, I'm secularly educated. I know you don't believe it. I understand peer-reviewed articles. I understand citations and I understand the natural realm. But I believe that what happens is when somebody who leans in the direction of unbelief and doubt and rationality begins to say, God, but I choose to have faith. The Bible says, for without faith, it is impossible to please him. So there is an aroma that comes out of my life when I say, Lord, crush my unbelief, crush my doubt, crush my fear. And just like the olive in the press, oil begins to pour out from the place of the crushing. I said, take my college degree, take my atheist, atheistic pension towards unbelief and crush it under the weight of your glory. And then the oil begins to be released, but only oil is released where there's crushing. If you've ever been in a service and demons begin to manifest while I'm preaching, I can assure you they're not responding to my voice. They're responding to the spirit behind my voice. The Holy Spirit. They're in the anointing of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says he will give you power to be witnesses. Come on, Mark chapter uh, 15, verse 16, it talks about casting out demons, healing the sick, raising the dead. You want to know how to do ministry in three steps? Make a testimony. Tell everybody about that testimony and then do it again. I remember the first time I went into Western Ukraine. I remember they told me this, is, this place is religious. Everybody is orthodox. Nobody has experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do what you do in Chesterton, Indiana, in, in Ukraine. And I said, do they bleed when you cut them in Ukraine like they do in America? Do they defecate? Do they urinate like they do in America? Okay, well, we're all human. So the same Jesus in Chesterton, Indiana will be the same Jesus in, in Ukraine. I'll never forget, we went to the hospital because we are praying for the sick in the hospital. And as we were praying for the sick, we were going from floor to floor, and we were anointing them with oil. This is my first trip to Ukraine. We got to a room, and all of a sudden, the nurses say, don't go in that room. And we said, why? And they said, because the man in that room just died. And my brother Sam said, well, that's all the reason more to go in. <laughs> and, he, and they said, what do you mean? He said, we didn't just come here to pray for the sick. We came to also raise the dead. And they said, well, go for it. You, you can have a try. And I'll be honest, I didn't believe. But my brother did. And he walked into that room and he laid his hand on that man. And he began to pray. And all of a sudden, that man's chest rose and he went <gasps> like that. And the nurses went, ah! And they ran out the room. That is a real story. And then all of a sudden, 
They came back in and they were like, what is going on? And the fear of God came upon them. And then they realized that man that they've made a statue at, at my other church, is not a statue. That deity that I hope is listening clearly hears when we pray. And that Jesus that was a baby in a manger has actually probably died and rose again because that same resurrection power is in this hospital. And so I thought to myself, what is a V1? What is a V1 Good Friday? It's me showing you, not telling you, showing you how good he really is. Because I dare not portray the cross without allowing the power of the cross in our midst. Because there were many crosses, crosses for common criminals. There were many crosses, crosses for those who deserve them. But there was one cross for a man who didn't deserve it, a man who took our place, Jesus Christ. And that cross was a symbol of humiliation that eventually became a symbol of resurrection power because it's an empty cross. And so when we preach this cross, but we deny the power thereof, what we've given people is a false Jesus and a false cross. And we wonder why our churches in America are empty. And they're empty because we have given a false cross and a false Jesus. But I'm here to tell you when I was convicted by the words of the Holy Spirit who said, Mike, you don't know me like you think you know me. I am better than you know. I am better than you know. I said, let's get the anointing oil and let's put a demand on God and say, God, meet me at this place. I'm willing to look like a fool for you. I'm willing to lose my mind for the sake of Christ. I'm willing to step in the direction of faith. I'm really, I'm willing to choose your word over my word, your thoughts over my thoughts. Is there anybody who wants to make an exchange tonight? Is there anybody watching online? who wants to make an exchange tonight. If it's even possible, try to find your seat for a few moments. Here in Long Island, there are no seats. And I apologize for those of you who are still standing. I want to give a super short message because I want to get into what the Lord would have us to do. I would ask that across all of the locations right now that the ushers would begin to distribute the sacrament of communion and that way we can flow into the communion through this sermon. How are you guys feeling tonight? Do you feel good? Long Island, uh, you got an array of microphones that can pick up your voice. So tell the world, how are you feeling tonight? <laughs> Come on. Come on, it's going to be an amazing Easter Sunday. Isn't, going to, isn't it going to be amazing for some of you to show up to Easter this Easter healed? Did you realize that it might be the first Sunday you ever show up healed? So I'm going to present to you a brief teaching. And as we're distributing the communion, um, we're going to get ready and we're going to begin to take communion here in the moment. And then we're going to end all these services across every campus 
by anointing with oil, our eldership is going to walk throughout the room. They're going to have the altars open. And many of you are actually going to witness miracles happen with your own eyes. Now, listen, I want to make it very clear. We are not here for miracles. We're here for the miracle maker. I want to make it very clear. We are not here to worship healing, but we worship the healer. But wherever there is the true Jesus, there will be true healings, true deliverances, and there will be lives changed. And so we, of course, we don't seek his hand. We seek his face. But wherever someone's face is, their hand is very close. Is that a revelation? So we're going to talk about covenant because I'm afraid that many of us do not understand the significance and the meaning of covenant. Luke chapter 22 verse 20 says this, and likewise the cup after they have eaten, saying this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant of my blood. Jesus was telling them we're taking communion and as we do this understand that this cup is my blood. Everybody say the phrase blood covenant. Come on. Vatos locos forever. Blood in, blood out. Anybody remember that movie? Any old school folks? Have you ever seen a movie where two people are enemies, but then they cross that threshold of being adversarial and they decide that they have to join their forces together so that they could conquer a greater evil? And they symbolically, one cuts their hand and blood begins to come out and another cuts their hand and blood begins to come out and they shake hands and their blood joins together and that represents covenant. The word covenant has to do with cutting. It has to do with the shedding of blood. And so if you can think about the movies that you've seen or the shows that you've seen where they come together on, and have you ever heard the phrase blood brothers? So this is what it means. It means that there's a shedding of blood. And I'm going to quickly break down the, the meaning of covenant for you because it's going to help you understand why the healings are going to happen tonight. I'm going to take you through six things that happen when a covenant is being established between two people, okay? And we're specifically talking about a blood covenant. What that means is in the Old Testament, we see the first covenant. And it was the shedding of innocent animals' blood as a provision for this, the transgression of an individual. And it covered both the individual as well as their sin. And that was the system that we have. The guilty person presented an innocent animal whose blood was shed, paying the price for the transgression and the transgressor. Are you with me? Now, there are steps that you take in the the cutting of a blood covenant. Step one, two people or two tribes willingly chose to enter a blood covenant and there would be an exchange of garments or clothing. So you would show up and when a covenant was established between two people, there would be an exchange of what? Clothing. Normally tribes or families had a particular dress and they were uniquely connected in their tribe by the way they dressed. So there would be a connection that was made across tribes when covenant was established, so that way there would be an exchange of garments, and that would be a signal and a sign that now we are exchanging a covenant, a blood covenant. 
How many of you know that God has given us the opportunity to exchange our filthy rags for a robe of righteousness? So when the, when the covenant was made, he showed up. We were the losers. We were the failures. He was the king that had won it all. And he said, let's make a covenant. And you say, God, all I have to offer you is the filthy rags of my sin and my failure. And he says, yes, I want it. Now take this robe of righteousness. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. But God is establishing a covenant with you. And if you don't understand covenant, you don't understand why. Can I go a little bit further? The second step to establishing a covenant is there was an exchange of weapons, a sword, a bow, armor, knife, etc. In exchanging weapons, you were committing your military resources for the well-being of your covenant partner. So unspoken but clearly implied was a willingness to fight to the death for your blood brother. For Christians, how many of you know that you were fighting God and now God is fighting for you. Oh, come on. You were an enemy of God, but when he established a covenant with you, he said, take my sword of the spirit. Take my armor and place it upon you. It's not your armor. It's my armor. It's not your words. It's my words. There's an exchange that happens in covenant, and you even begin to exchange weapons. The third thing in a covenant that would be exchanged between two people in a blood covenant would be an exchange of names. But there's a great, great, great profound meaning to the exchange of names, so follow me. Abram became Abraham. Come on. Abram became Abraham. There was an exchange of names. Jacob became Israel. There was an exchange of names. Simon Peter, now you are the rock upon which I will build. There's an exchange of names, but watch this. It was like the power of attorney. Tribe A could actually speak on behalf of their covenant partner, Tribe B, with full authority of the covenant. As a matter of fact, oftentimes when a blood covenant was being established, you would take a portion of the other person's name. So that's why when we pray for people, and we say, it's Mike praying, but I have taken a portion of his name through covenant. And so in Jesus' name, the covenant will be honored and you will be healed because I am in covenant with him and I bear a portion of his name. I have, Come on, somebody. I have full access to what he's given me access to. And so demons don't respond to magic words because if you use the name of Jesus without covenant, you'll get beaten by demons ask the sons of Sceva, but they do respond to covenant because wherever there's blood, there's power. We need to fill the pulpits of America with the preaching of the blood, the blood of Jesus. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Warfare prayers don't work unless they're backed by the covenant of blood. Warfare prayers without covenant are incantations and spells. But just a simple word through covenant carries the full authority of the kingdom. And the miraculous begins to happen. Step four, 
When there's a blood covenant, there is the shedding now. There's a cutting that happens. And the mingling of two people's bloods, it brings a unique union and bonding together. And so as I mentioned just a few moments ago, in the old covenant, you had the shed blood of innocent animals. And when Israel sinned, they needed to make atonement to satisfy the demands of justice. The guilty person presented an innocent animal whose blood was shed, paying the price of the transgression and the transgressor. But God replaced the sacrificial system and initiated the new covenant with the shed blood of Jesus on the cross to make atonement for our sins. And listen, this is the main thing I wanted to to, to get out. We're about to do this right now. The Lord's Supper, which we're about to take, is the place where we became one with Christ. Watch. Once you take that cup, is the cup in your hand right now? Once you take this cup, and we're gonna do it in a few moments, watch this. You are ingesting it, and it's his blood mingling with your blood. Are you getting a revelation? It is a covenant That's why the Bible says you probably shouldn't take communion if you don't know what you're doing. Because you don't do it to feel good. You don't do it to make yourself think that now I can just get through another day and this is a little pep in my step. You're not taking a cup of coffee for caffeine right now. But when you take it, it's just like we are never gonna marry you at this church if you don't go through our marriage counseling program because you gotta know that words establish covenant. And, and when I do wedding ceremonies, I say that this is an institution not to be entered into lightly. As a matter of fact, in Shakespeare's time, words had such a weight that they wouldn't even repeat the vows of a wedding ceremony because to say it would make it true. Did you know that? I used to teach Shakespeare. And you'll find that whenever there's a wedding ceremony in a Shakespearean play, they stop it short of the vows because in their time, words meant something. So we don't take communion to feel good. This means something. And don't take this cup if you want to be one of those fluffy, gummy bear, frou-frou, on the fence, tossed by every wind, listening to 5,000 teachers, but confused as all. Come on, get out. Letting the devil slap you around. Come on, sinning on Saturday night, trying to repent on Sunday type of Christian. Don't take this cup and try to cheapen the blood that brought the covenant that has got you to this place. This cup represents forsaking everything else for fidelity to one. Let every man be a liar and let him be the truth. That's what this cup represents. So we don't do it just because everybody got in line at your last church and did it. Because you want to get a little hit of alcohol. (laughs) This cup represents covenant. And the power of that exchange is that the blood of Christ as you ingest it begins to intermingle with your blood and then what he says is this son what's yours is mine 
Daughter, what's yours is mine. Oh, Lord, all I have to offer you is sexual perversion. He says, yes, give it to me. I can bear it. Lord, all I have to offer you is addiction in this filthy thinking. Yes, offer it to me. God, all I have to offer you is all this trauma and rejection and pain. Yes, offer it to me. And then he says, but let me show you the power of covenant. Now I give you what's mine. <laughs> and then he begins to give you beauty for ashes, the oil of gladness for mourning, the garment of praise. Come on, somebody, for the spirit of heaviness. That's the language of covenant, it's an exchange. And this is the thing we have a savior that said, I'll get the raw deal. I'll put my love out on the line. As a matter of fact, I'll initiate the covenant while you're still far off. I'll kill the fatted calf. Let's roast the, come on some, let's get the ring and the robe and I will symbolically begin to set the stage for covenant, even gambling, not knowing you want it. So here's the thing, Jesus, on this Good Friday, is on the cross, and he's saying, right now, you don't understand me. Right now, you don't get me. Right now, you're treating me like a common criminal. Right now, you're hurling insults at me. But while you yet do not understand me, I've initiated the blood covenant. And as the blood begins to pour out of my body, out of my side, now think about this, even the way in which Jesus was crucified, they placed the crown of thorns 360 degrees around his head because he said, every part of your brain will be secure under the covenant with me. See, anxiety has infiltrated your entire mind. So you need the crown, you need the covenant of a crown of thorns that says your whole mind can be free. That, that spear went into his side. Have you ever felt that band around your your torso, that band of stress and anxiety that you feel and your, you, you know that band that, see he, what happened was Jesus was brutally beaten and attacked in every area that you would need healing. This is why his body was brutalized. As he took stripes on his back, it was part of the covenant. What he was saying was, there is no dysfunction of your back that I cannot heal because I am coming into a blood covenant. Your lower back, your mid back, your, come on, there are people with, and this is what's gonna happen tonight. There are people with bones that are fused together that are going to separate tonight. There are people with muscle spasms that are on medications that their back is going to release tonight because you are coming into covenant. I had a renowned prophet reach out to me. He had no idea I was even doing these services like this. And he said, he, he told me, he just sent me a voice memo while I was on the drive over here. And he said, Pastor Mike, I've got to release this word. He says, I see bones that are fused being separated. I see this. And he begins to describe everything that I was in preparation for tonight. Some of you, hear me. I'm talking across every location because we're going to do this in a moment. Jesus had nails driven through his feet. Why? Because he's coming into covenant 
There's blood that's being spilled from his legs so that your legs can be healed. It's an exchange. Give me your weakness for my strength. So here's what happens. I believe that some of you, even in your seat, are gonna have to kick your chair out across every location. Come on, I'm speaking to every campus right now. And you are gonna, we're gonna begin to pray and you're gonna watch legs grow out and they're gonna come to equal length. Now listen, Bella was in Hawaii and they begin to pray. My daughter came back and she said, Dad, I prayed for someone and their leg grew out right in front of me. And she said it was not a psychosomatic episode. It wasn't placebo. It wasn't a stretch. And now it's equal. It was so significant. This person uh, needed, it was medical and watched it grow out. I have to believe that today you're going to see people across every campus and you're going to have to stretch your legs out. Some of you have back issues as a result of your legs coming out of alignment. And you're going to begin to see feet stretch out as their limbs are being extended. You understand that you cannot come in on a half gospel. I'm asking you on Good Friday to go on a journey with me to believe that in three days that we are going to celebrate the impossible happened and a man raised from the dead. Muhammad didn't do it. Buddha didn't do it. Come on, somebody. But Jesus did it. And so you can't come in on half a gospel because it's a form of godliness that denies the power thereof. We've got to believe for regenerative miracles. And so what I want to do is I want to provoke you right now because I've taken you through the scriptures. I've taken you through the significance of blood covenant and what it means. And now for this final, and we're going to begin to take communion. Before we do it, and I need a, a cup, some of you are going to be healed as you take it. I was with Lou Engel recently, and he began to prophesy that there was going to be a communion revival and that we were, beginning, we were going to begin to see healings break out, medically verifiable miracles. And I believe that we are standing in that moment right now. And what Lou Engel was not saying was that it was going to be the wafer and the cup, but he was saying it was going to be the covenant establishing the covenant. Now at three in the morning, we got a call that somebody had driven a vehicle through the wall of our Long Island building. How many of you know that I've been preaching for the last three weeks that behind every person is a spirit? And I know that I have put everything on the line to get us to this moment right now. And I believe that I, don't, I am not trying to attribute motive to the person that came through that wall in their car but I am attributing a motive to the spirit behind that person and trying to sabotage our ability to do what we're doing tonight and Sunday for Easter. Is there anybody who believes that? But how many of you know that whenever the devil fights you, he's accidentally prophesying to you? How many of you know that whenever he attacks you, he's accidentally revealing the significance of the assignment that's upon you? How many of you know that that was a sign and a symbol that the spirit is breaking out of the church now? And from this point, come on, just like there was an open tomb, there's an open wall on Long Island that says, spirit, break out. It's going to be more than we can contain, more than we can. And somebody messed up when they ran through our wall because the walls are coming down. 
The walls of religion, the walls of tradition, the walls of unbelief, the walls of fear, the walls of intimidation, the walls of shame, they're coming down. It was a prophetic sign, and of course it happened. And for those of you who have been involved in occult practices, it happened in the witching hour. On the dot, we got on the cameras. The witching hour, when they, when they do the rituals, and the enemy says, I'm going to do this. And I said, okay, devil, thanks for prophesying, because there's something that's happening in our midst. There's a shift that's happening tonight. Do you feel it? We've been laboring for this thing for the last several weeks. We've been laboring. So this is what this cup, I know you've taken communion many times. I want you across every location just to take a look at it. If you're watching online, find some juice, find some uh, a cracker. But I want you to take a look at this cup because you see the blood represented in this cup. And you can open it. I started with reading a verse that said that the cup, Jesus himself said, with this cup, I establish a new covenant with you. And you can take the wafer and put it in the other hand. Just as Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, and he said, my soul loves your soul. <laughs> and then David <coughs> said, later on in his life, when Jonathan was dead, he said, is there someone that I can honor with this covenant? Because covenants are forever. And there you have Mephibosheth. Then you've, come on, you've got somebody in Lodabar, down and out, feeling forgotten, but there was a covenant that was made in a previous generation, and that covenant was due. I'm here to tell you, I feel the anointing on this. Some of you have grandparents that came into covenant with God. You don't understand, why am I here in this Good Friday service? Because the king has called you, and the covenants come up due. Some of you have walked away from Jesus. You've given up on Jesus, and you're here right now. But God, the king, sent the word to Lodabar, and he's saying it's time to sit at the table because there was a covenant I made with your mother, and I'm honoring the covenant I made with her. Listen to me, parents. I know you're saying to yourself, I wish my kids would serve the Lord. I wish my Listen, you've established a covenant, and covenants are for generations. Covenant is for generations. There's a godly thread that's been neat. It's a, the needle of the gospel. See, needles pierce. And every single time that needle pierced a generation, there was an exchange of blood. And that thing is threaded through. So I'm telling you, Gen Z, you can run, but you can't hide. Because you got a praying mama. Because you got a dad that's been sowing seeds. And you belong to Jesus, young person. You cannot escape that which he has destined in your life come on I'm talking to the husband that's living below his potential right now because the world's beating him down and you say this is all I get come on they move the US dollar 
off of the International Reserve? What seal are we opening today in the book of Revelation? This is all I get on Long Island for this much money? This is the American nightmare. Where's the American dream? I got good news for you. This covenant you're about to partake in, men who feel so beat down, God says, exchange your dream for mine. I will meet all your needs according to my provision, my riches and glory. And what he's saying to you in covenant is, what I have is yours. So you give me your little and I'll give you much. This is an exchange. Come on, I'm talking to some women that feel like their best days are behind. Some women that are agonizing over their physical appearance who are saying, how did I become this? Who's waking up, doing everything they can to feel as much energy as they can. I'm talking to some women who have laughed when you felt like crying and then you turned around when nobody was looking and you cried. Who have to be strong for everybody else who feel like you're carrying the spiritual weight of your family. I wanna give you good news tonight. He's gonna come and carry that burden for you because even though you've been trusting in him, you have not relied totally on him. And he's saying, I'm still a husband to the husbandless. I remember telling my mom, one day I was in prayer and I said, mom, I saw Jesus walk out of your bedroom. And she said, what do you mean? I said, yeah, he wanted me to tell you that he's your husband. See, you got to get a revelation. He is who you need him to be. And that's what, see, this body, some of you who are single are saying, man, I wish that I could be one flesh with someone. Jesus beckons, become one with me. This is covenant. You'll never be alone because he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you to the ends of the earth. So I want to ask you, it almost seems foolish now, but I want to ask you, do you want this? <laughs> I know you're unworthy. We're all unworthy. But if you understand covenant, he's saying, but I've already extended it. I'm already bleeding. That's the message of Good Friday is you don't, listen, all you can do is reject it or accept it, but I'm already bleeding. And all you have to do is say yes. Now, do you understand the scripture that says, now take up your cross? I'll give you my cross if you give me yours. It's an exchange. It's an exchange. So the thing I want to ask you is, would you take this cup? Would you take this body across every location? And if, and only if, you're willing to truly come into covenant with him. If you've listened to the entire 20-minute sermon that I just preached and said, you know what, preacher, I want that. I, it's an emphatic yes. I'm willing, listen, I'm willing to forsake all others for him alone. I'm willing to stand for him in a world where everybody's bending their knee to culture. I'm willing to, to go on this journey. I wanna do what he wants me to do. If you're one of those people, then we're gonna take this together. If not, we will lovingly give you another chance this Sunday to make another decision. But you dare not make a decision here half-heartedly because I started this sermon by saying, I wanna operate in doubt. I wanna have reservations. 
I want to lean into the direction of my doubt, but I choose to say, Jesus, I'm going to offer it to you. And I know if you understand covenant, he responds, thanks for giving me your fear. Now here's the gift of faith. Thanks for giving me your unbelief. Now here's the gift of miracles. Thanks for giving me your rationality. Now here is awe and wonder. It's covenant. Who wants to make an exchange? Come on. Hold the wafer in your hand. This represents Christ's body across every location. Father, I pray as we receive your body, Lord, that we would receive healing in our body, that many of those who are listening right now, before they're ever even prayed for, just through the establishment of covenant, their body becomes the temple of your Holy Spirit. Come on, Espiritu Santo. Their body becomes the temple. See, that's a covenantial language. It, when it was your body, you do whatever you want with it. But when you give it to me in covenant, it becomes my temple, and I've got to clean it up. I've got to cast some demons out of it. I've got to get diabetes and sickness and disease out of my temple because it's not your temple. It's his temple, and God always gives the best for his temple. So, Father, I thank you that as we take this bread, we say, have our bodies as we take yours. Now, everyone, take the wafer. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Come on, just worship him from your seat before we take another moment. Come on, just praise Jesus. Thank you, Father, for being broken, for carrying that cross on the Via Dolorosa. God, thank you. Come on, it's all right. There's no music playing across any campus. If you want to be undignified, if you want to cry out to him, I'm going to give you 20 seconds before we take the blood. If you're thankful for what he's done, if you just need to tell him, God, thank you that you didn't stop the punishment, but you took it. Thank you that you were in the garden of Gethsemane and you said, let's bring on the crushing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Somebody's being free from pornography right now. Somebody's being free of anxiety right now. Somebody is being free of fear right now. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. I break every single demonic spirit that has been tormenting their mind and command that spirit to go in the name of Jesus. Loose them now. As you took his body, come on, there's healing. Somebody is feeling heat, maybe heat in your back, like I had mentioned. Somebody's feeling a warmth over them right now. Maybe it's in their hands. Come on, receive it right now. See, what's happening in your physical stomach is that wafer is being digested and distributed throughout your entire body. And the Lord told me to tell somebody that healing is being distributed through your body right now. The spiritual connotation of what's happening through covenant is healing is happening. Somebody, I don't know if it's in this room or another campus, their ears, it sounds like popcorn is being popped and ears are actually beginning. It's like the kernels 
are popping and I hear in the spirit realm that ears are being opened right now, that hearing is being increased right now, that hearing is being restored right now. I don't know if it's a work-related thing, Thank you, Holy Spirit. I don't know if it's a work-related thing, but I hear in the Lord, the Lord is saying restoration, restoration in hearing right now. Restoration. I don't know if it was a work-related thing, but somebody's receiving healing. Come on, we're gonna stay in this atmosphere before we take the cup. We're gonna stay in this moment before we take the cup. Knees be healed now in the name of Jesus. Lingering athletic disability. That's kind of how I saw it. It's almost like a disability, something athletic, something from sports, something from a previous season. The Lord's healing it right now. There's more. There's more. Father, we thank you for supernaturally healing right now. Wow. Do you feel the glory of the Lord intensifying? I hear in the spirit that there's somebody who's anticipating and they're saying, I know it's tonight. I don't know when. It hasn't happened yet, but I know it's coming. And the Lord says, oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's coming. Thank you, Father. This cup, this cup represents the blood. Here's what I believe is going to happen across every location and every revival home. This cup represents something very, very simple. It, re, it represents, therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I know that there are some of you who are beating yourself up. Some of you say, I'm a failure. And there is a spirit of condemnation that once you consume this cup is going to leave and torment you no longer. There's an identity that changes. And see, remember I said in covenant, there is an exchange of names. And the Lord says, when you take this cup, when you take his blood, you are taking his name. There's some of you who are either going through a divorce or divorce, and the Lord says, yes, but now you take my name. No, I feel the anointing all over that. The Lord is, there's an exchange of names that's getting ready to happen. Some of you hate your name. Some of you hate what your name stands for, but the Lord says, when you take this cup, I'm going to break shame off of you. Come on, shame off of you. Shame off of you. And some of you hate what you've made your name mean, but the Lord says, when you take this cup, you're going to take my name. Blood covenant. Come on, Holy Spirit. I'm here. I'm willing. I know there's something else. I just want to speak into the significance of this. There it is. Issues of the blood. There it is. Issues of the blood. Issues of the blood. I'm, oh, come on. I believe. Shoot, come on, Lord. I need you to hear me say these things out loud because it activates faith. Sickle cell can be healed right now in the name of Jesus. I believe. I believe. Shoot, come on. Faith is rising. Come on. When Jesus was trying to perform miracles, there had to be a cooperation for there to be an activation. Matter of fact, people who doubt were sent out of the room, and I'm trying to massage you into the posture of faith right now. I believe that God can heal issues of the blood. Whatever that issue is, God can heal it. So I want you to look at that blood. I want you to look at the cup across every location and every revival home. 
because the Lord's saying, let's make an exchange. <laughs> Curses for blessings in the blood is the curse from every generation that came before you. In your blood is alcoholism waiting to be unlocked when you take the first drink. In your blood is all kinds of things that you've inherited. But then when you look in this cup, what you're looking into is the blood of your heavenly father who's saying, I'm going to give you blessings and I'm going to remove curses. It's, here's the last thing. When you put your blood, see what happens with this is when you put your blood into a DNA test, it tells you where you came from. Do you hear me? When you put your blood in a test, it tells you where you came from. But when you take Jesus' blood, he tells you, I've given you a new past so I can give you a new future. Uh, when people check my blood, they say he looks kind of like he's an Italian from the Middle East. He kind of looks a little, I don't, Jamaican somebody. I just said that because I wanted it to be true. But they say we look at him, but they say he's I see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in his lineage, and I say, it's not because of the blood I was born with. It's because of the blood I exchanged. <laughs> that, that you're looking at a representation of Jesus Christ's blood. That means when you see this blood, you see the prostitute that was woven into his DNA. You see King David, come on, all the way from the lineage of David, there's something about the genealogy of Jesus that begins to flow through your veins when you exchange. So let's do this. Father, I pray right now across every location that as we take this covenant of your blood, that your blood comes in and intermingles with our blood but we know that when two powers meet, the lesser power falls. <laughs> so when your blood enters our body, everything that's not like you dies. Every cell, every cancerous cell begins to die in the name of Jesus because the king's blood is running in our veins. Every spirit, come on, of infirmity and sickness in the body is confronted with the blood that cries the testimony of healing. Jesus' name. Across every location, let's take this cup and just begin to thank him. Stand on your feet and just begin to thank him for the blood. Come on, some of you, he's turning back the biological clock and he's putting his finger on the clock and dialing it back right now. Begin to thank him for the blood. This is, this is Good Friday. We're going to find out how good he really is. Come on. Come on. Let me get at every campus. Let me get the pastor, pastoral eldership up front right now. If you're a pastor, a pastoral eldership across every location, bring the anointing oil. and We're going to begin to fulfill the book of James, and we are going to anoint with oil, and you will be healed, and God will finish what he started today. So as you come over here, we'll make some room. Let me give you guys some vision for this. We'll have the team come back up. I know that there are many people. I've already received word that this is the most people we've ever had in any singular location across all of our locations. But I want to tell, come on, praise God. 
Come on, what the enemy meant for harm, God's turning it around for our good. But I want to tell you that we have enough oil to distribute across every single life if you want that. Pastor Mike, I'm in New York City. What does the oil represent? The oil represents it, the, the power of God. Shepherds would place oil upon the sheep's head and the infestation of gnats in their eyes and their ears and the mucous membranes, all of a sudden that oil would run down and it would be cleansed out. And it would actually represent even a protective barrier so that those infestation of gnats and bugs couldn't get back in. Some of you have an infestation in your eyes and your ears, your hearing and your vision. And it's hard for you to see what God's doing. And I believe as we anoint you with oil, that God's going to begin to break things off of you and even begin to protect your vision and your hearing. And so I want us to begin to lift up a song in this place. I've got a chair right here because what we're going to do. Oh, did I kick water over? What I'm going to do is you guys are going to distribute across every location. Our pastoral eldership is going to distribute through the crowd. If you have a need for healing, I want you to tell them what your need is. Tell them the condition. We've got to reveal it so God can heal it. And then they're going to anoint you with oil. This is what the book of James said. 2,000 years ago, this worked. How many of you believe the, the blood has not lost its power? Somebody shout hallelujah. And across every campus, our eldership is going to go into the crowd and they're going to place anointing oil and you tell them what your need, your need is. And we're going to pray. Right here as I'm praying on stage, we'll bring people up and I'll begin to pray for people as well. Let me pray over everybody across our locations first. Everybody just set your heart right now into a posture of expectation and faith. Heavenly Father, I pray right now under the sound of my voice across every location that your name would be magnified, that you would receive all the glory for what you do tonight, that only you, Jesus, would be the recipient of all the praise. And Lord, I ask you, as you were walking through the Galilee and you were healing those that were tormented by spirits and delivering them as you were curing uncurable diseases that today on Good Friday you do what you always did and Father I thank you that many healings are going to begin to take place right now just some of you just need to open your hands like this and you just need to begin to put yourself in a posture of receiving across every location right now and we're going to do this together and then I'm going to release our eldership to begin to anoint. Some of you are going to manifest demons because it's a, it's a spirit of infirmity and they're going to cast it out. Some of you are going to feel like you just have to collapse and it, this is not charismania. You're not falling because of Pentecostalism, but some of you will come up under the power of God so strong that your knees are going to give way because that's what happens when the glory of the Lord is present. Some of you, and I want, I want to tell you this, you're not even going to aware, be aware of how much the healing has occurred. So you've got to pay attention to pain in your body. And you've got to pay attention to what happens in these moments. So let's begin to pray right now one more time. Everybody say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, 
I thank you for the cross where your blood established a covenant with me. I can receive full healing, full deliverance because of the cross. And I give you permission to expose, to confront, to cancel every curse and set me free. And I thank you for the anointing, that oil of healing in my life. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's begin to worship right now across every location. Let's begin to worship. Elders, you're released to begin to pray for people across every location right now. They're going to come and they're going to anoint you. Everybody stay where you're at, okay? Thank you.